Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Hello and welcome to Just Pod Baby. I am your host, Evan Grote. The show is brought to you by SportsNot.com and the NFL Draft is now behind us. It's in the books. We speculated on it a lot for, for several weeks. By now, you've had a time to digest all of the picks. By now, you've had a time to debate the picks with your buddies and some of the people out there on social media. I know that I have done that with some of you guys. Now, this is the first recording since the completion of round one when I released the Instant Reaction Show. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, this week, breaking down the pick of Tyree Wilson, but um, we will spend some time discussing some of the other selections that were made, some of the picks I really liked, and then others I didn't necessarily like where the player was picked, but we will get into some of that um, in just a moment. We will spend um, a little bit more time uh, discussing one selection in particular, and that is tight end Michael Mayer, who they selected in round two when they traded up to get him. We will take a little bit more of an in-depth look at him. We're also going to be joined by our guest this week, Pete Sampson, who covers Notre Dame football for The Athletic, and Pete's going to share some of his knowledge and his stories that he has from his time covering Mayer in South Bend. I've reached out to several other reporters and writers and coaches to join the show here to help us detail some of these new incoming rookies for the Raiders. So I'm hoping to get them booked here in the coming weeks. That's always something that I really enjoy doing this time of the year. And then also on the horizon is our Behind Enemy Lines tour where we will bring in a guest from each of the other teams in the AFC West division to get a good feel for what their off seasons have looked like and, and uh, you know, uh, positions of need that they address through the draft and whatnot. So you make sure that you are subscribing to the show because I want you to be a part of it each and every week. You can find Just Pod Baby on all of the major podcasting platforms. And according to the data that I have, uh, it looks like the majority of you are listening on uh, Apple iTunes, but I am also available through Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, all of the big platforms. Before we get into it here this week, don't forget the NFL schedule release is being targeted for Thursday, May 11th. That is next Thursday. Uh, so that should be out in time for next next week's show. And, and of course, I will be breaking that down here for you next week. The Raiders are scheduled. I was taking a look at some of the opponents they have on this year's schedule. They're supposed to play Buffalo. So that made me very excited right here in my backyard. But I am concerned that uh, it could be ended up playing in London because I know the the Bills are one of the teams that is supposed to be traveling across the pond this year. So I'm I'm hoping that that's not the case because I would love to attend that game, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. And then the other uh, bit of information that I wanted to make sure I got out to you guys, if you hadn't heard by now, that there's um, some off season workout dates that are coming up here for the Raiders OTAs, which. Of course, our voluntary workouts, um, but normally they have pretty good attendance at these things. There's a couple of dates here that I want to get out to you. Uh, they'll begin their first part of that on May 22nd and May 23rd. Then they're off for a couple of days. They come back on May 25th. 
Um, they'll be off for a few more days. They come back May 31st to June 2nd. And then the final day or days, I should say, would be on June 12th to the 15th. And then the rookies, they begin their mini camp on May 12th through the 14th. So circle those days on your calendar. I'm sure we'll get some sound from the coaches and, and maybe even some of the players as well. All right, let's shift gears now uh, to the, the Raiders' new rookie class. And if you tuned into the Instant Reaction Show last week, then you, then you know my thoughts on Tyree Wilson. If you still have not listened to that one yet, please go out there and check it out. So we're going to start with the second round pick um, of Michael Mayer. And I, my opinion on that is is one of the things that I that I thought really impressed me with that pick was Dave Ziegler. He had the fore, foresight to sense that a run on tight end was coming because if you think back, he had Dalton Kincaid, who was the only tight end selected in round one. He went 25 to the Bills. And then at the start of round two, you had Sam Laporta go uh, to pick three in round two. And, and so that's where Ziegler sensed that it was it was time to, to go up and uh, and get Michael Mayer, and that's what he did. Now, five tight ends in total were drafted in round two. And so, again, Mayer was sitting there. He was a player that the Raiders coveted in this draft. He was high on their draft board, and so they went up and got him. Now, I also want to put this out there real quick. By now, I'm, not sh- I'm sure most of you have seen it, but if you still haven't yet, Peter King, uh, his Football Morning in America story from earlier in this week, Monday, uh, I recommend that you go out there and read that. The Raiders invited him in to their war room on Thursday night of round one of the draft, and you get some really, really good insight and uh, kind of an in-depth look at what the Raiders were thinking going into round one, what their plans were. Um, and it sounds like if Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle from Ohio State, if he was there, he was going to be the selection uh, at pick number seven. So I, I urge you to go out there and read that. I really enjoyed that myself. Anyhow, getting back to Michael Mayer, I think there was really good value getting him there in round two because this was, uh, well, number one, it filled a need. It filled a need at tight end. Uh, Tight end was one of my top five needs going into the draft. And the position of tight end was seen as one of the deepest in this year's draft. And so to go out there and get who many believed is the most complete tight end in this class, the, the number one overall tight end in this class, uh, according to a lot of the draft experts out there, around later than most people thought he would go. I, I think that's a big win for the Raiders. And we're going to spend a little bit more time um, on Michael Mayer here in segment number two with our guests. So let's go ahead and move on now to some of the round three selections. Now, listen, I think in round three is where they missed the mark here a little bit. I think Dave Ziegler missed the mark just a little bit here in round three. And it's not that I didn't necessarily love the players, although I don't love Trey Tucker. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, but my issue is more so where where they were chosen. And so when you use the 70th overall pick and then the 100th overall pick on a defensive tackle, Byron Young, and then um, a undersized wide receiver, special teams player, and Trey Tucker – um, I don't think that's great value there. Now, if you listen to my five-round mock draft that I put out uh, the week before the draft, then you know that Byron Young is a player that I've looked into. I watched tape on him. I was doing a lot of reading on him, and I actually selected him in my draft, but I got him in round five. 
Um, I just think that where they chose him in round three was a little bit rich for me. I, I saw him as more of a fourth round player, and so did a lot of the the again the draft pundits and experts out there that I place you know really high on my on my in terms of guys who I respect their opinion. Uh, they saw him as more of a, a day f- uh, round four pick. Um, and, and the one reason why I believe this is the case is because he just does not affect the game as a pass rusher. Um, just not something that he has or was able to do consistently at Alabama. Um, I was really mad to see Drew Sanders go to Denver just three picks before uh, Young went. And I, I do believe Sanders would have been the pick there because one of the things that you learn if you read the Peter King story is that uh, they they were pretty high on Drew Sanders. I believe it was Mark Davis who who really liked what he saw with, with Drew Sanders. So now Raiders fans have to see Drew Sanders in the division two times a year. And if he turns into a, a pretty good linebacker, that'll be a tough pill for me to swallow anyways. But getting back to Byron Young, he's a high character guy. I heard Nick Saban say some really good things about him. He shows up to work every day. Uh, played in all 54 games over his four-year career at Alabama. And if you look at a lot of the picks that were made, they were guys who had a lot of uh, a lot of games under their belt, uh, durable, uh, guys that you can count on to be out there on the field. And he does have the versatility that I've spent a lot of time talking about. He lined up up and down the defensive line at Alabama. And, you know, listen, they've pumped out some really good defensive tackles over the years. Um, at Alabama. So they usually work out pretty well for the teams that are drafting them. Um, It's going to be really interesting to see how the Raiders defensive line shakes out. That should be, in my opinion anyway, should be one of the more competitive position battles this year in training camp. They've got some youth. Uh, Don't forget they drafted two guys last year, two defensive tackles last year who didn't play a ton. Well, I should say Matthew Butler didn't play a ton, but you have him entering his second year. Neil Farrell Jr. entering his second year. They signed Bilal Nichols last offseason. He's still around. They re-signed Jerry Tillery, and then they also went out and signed some new guys, some veteran guys, John Jenkins and Jordan Willis. So it's going to be it's going to be intriguing to see how many tackles they do decide to keep on the on the roster and then who those guys will be. Now moving on to the second pick in round 3, which was Trey Tucker with the 100th overall pick. There seems to be some mixed reaction here uh with this one within the fan base and Obviously, Dave Ziegler really likes what Tucker has to offer with his speed. I mean, um, when you run a, a four-three-seven, that's going to turn some heads. It sounds like um, he's going to have his his best chance to compete early on as a special teams guy in the return game. He's very small, very very small, five-eight, one hundred and eighty-two pounds, which. I think really limits him as a wide receiver because that catch radius is so small. I just, you know, getting off of coverages, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how he does that. I know Ziegler was praising him for his toughness, and I think he attributes that to Tucker's time as a wrestler in high school. As I mentioned, this is a guy that is known for his his game breaking speed, four three seven. That can be that can be something that can really be useful on an offense, but. Let's be honest, the Raiders have drafted fast players in the past, and it hasn't worked out so well. Um, And another thing that I'd like to point out, as I was reading through his profile in Dane Brugler's uh, draft guide, I noticed that Tucker has eight career touchdowns 
but 10 career drops. So we're talking about a player who uh, throughout his career has more drops than touchdowns. So to be perfectly honest with you, I, I don't love this pick. Um, if, if this pick had come in round five, I'd like it a lot better. I just don't see the value there. There were more pressing needs, especially on defense and also on the offensive line, which is they neglected the entire offensive line throughout the draft. Now, if Tucker is to get on the field, it will be as a returner, in my opinion, at least early on. And if you follow me on Twitter at Egro5, uh, I tweeted out on Friday that the kickoff return game is a dying part of NFL football. I was doing a little bit of research on that, and I found that only six kicks all of last season in 2022, only six kicks were returned for touchdown. Um, and then 17 teams had a kickoff touchback rate of 60% or higher. So to me, um, you know, they're trying to protect these players more and more. They've really made some rule adjustments uh, on the kickoff game. It's just not a huge part of the game anymore. So to use a third round pick um, on a guy who, yes, I know he can be a receiver, um, but primarily I think his, uh, um, his best, the best part of his skill set is as a returner, and I just don't know how many opportunities he's going to get to actually return the ball. So it seems a little bit odd to me. Now, also, the the trickle-down effect uh, from this pick would be Hunter Renfro. What does his future look like with the Raiders? I would say it's a little bit more murky um, than it was you know, prior to the start of free agency. Um after they signed Jacoby Myers, you know, there's been some speculation here now for a couple months. What's, what's going to go on here with Hunter Renfro and don't, you know, don't forget, they also added Deandre Carter in free agency and now they go out and draft another slot receiver. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see, um, if they don't trade Renfro, which I don't know, you know, at this point, when you look at the way the contract is structured, with the dead cap money that's involved, sometimes, you know, those things can become more difficult to do. Um, and if they do decide to keep them, you know, then you have some competition there. And sometimes competition can be a really good thing. And we know how good Hunter Renfro can be when he's healthy. So I would, I would prefer that they keep him. I would like to see this offense. You know, we didn't get a chance to see it at full strength a lot last year. I would like to be able to see this offense now with Myers and Adams and Mayer and, and Renfro. That's what I would really like to see. Okay, moving on to the next pick, we have, we're going to go with uh, cornerback Jacorian Bennett from Maryland. And I'll be honest, this was not a player that I was that familiar with. When most people thought of cornerbacks from Maryland, you thought about Deontay Banks. Um, but he is another speed guy, and and some of these picks Al Davis would have been really, really happy with. They would have got his stamp of approval for sure, but Bennett had a lot of ball production in college, 31 pass breakups and five interceptions, and he did that in only 28 games, so um, 31 pass breakups in 28 games, that's a good thing. Um, I've heard a lot of people suggest um, that he could start or compete for a starting spot anyways. Um, and I think that's true. You know, there's not a whole lot of competition there as far as the cornerback position. Uh, they do have Duke Shelley, and uh, they brought in another guy whose name is slipping my mind right now, David Long Jr., that's it. Um, but I've also heard some of these draft pundits and experts suggest that maybe he would be a better fit in the nickel, in the slot. Daniel Jeremiah is one of those guys who 
who who made that suggestion. Now, if that's the case, then it would appear that they're going to put Nate Hobbs back on the outside. Now, Bennett played primarily on the outside in college. He was an outside cornerback. But that will be something to keep an eye on is how they where they decide to use him. He does not have great size. He's only 5'10". And one of the other concerns I have for him is that he he was flagged uh, several times, 13 times in the last two seasons, six times in 2022 for pass interference. So that is definitely something he is going to have to clean up here at the next level. Um, some of the other remaining picks here, I'm going to touch on a couple of them briefly here. You had the quarterback, Aiden O'Donnell. Uh, I think we all knew at some point they were going to draft a developmental quarterback. They get one in Aiden O'Connell. Accurate thrower, smart kid. He is a complete statue in the pocket, though. He's not going to be able to create much with his legs and his feet. But, um, you know, overall, a guy that you get him and when they got him, I believe it was round five, um, I think he's a, a player that can be developed and can serve as a possible longtime backup, a spot starter, a guy that you can trust if you need him for, for a quarter or two or even for a game or two. I'm hoping that's what they can develop him into. Uh, Chris Smith is another guy who some people seem to be a little bit high on. You know, I'm not really sure how I feel about him right now. Um, a two-year starter at Georgia, that that makes me feel good on a defense that was a two-time national defending champion in a defense that was excellent for a couple of year, years. Um, he was a unanimous All-American, uh, but didn't particularly run well at the combine 4.62. Um, it, perhaps if he ran a, a better time, uh, maybe he would have been drafted a round or two earlier. Uh, but he, as well as Tucker... And Jacorian Bennett undersized, and that kind of was like a trend uh, of some of these picks this year. Small guys. Um, we'll see how that works out, but you know, nothing else. More depth and competition at the safety position, and he could play special teams as well. And then the final two picks of the draft, they added a linebacker, Amari Bernie from Florida, and then another uh, defensive tackle out of Arizona, Nesta Jade uh, Silveria. So that was the draft rundown overall. Just to kind of put a bow on it here. I I thought going into the draft that they needed to add at least two and maybe three starters to the defense. And if you're not going to have a starter, uh, then you got to add somebody that's going to play significant snaps and make an impact this year on the defense. I'm not so sure they did that after having some time now to kind of digest things and, and look at things. You know, Tyree Wilson is a guy who will get plenty of playing time. He may get kicked inside on third downs, and they can leave Chandler Jones and Crosby out on the outside. So I think you're going to see Wilson playing upwards of, you know, 40, 50% of the snaps. Uh, but then I look and say, who, who are the other two guys that are going to get large numbers of snaps? And, you know, if I, if I have to pick somebody, I'm going to say Byron Young should be able to compete for reps, but we talked about how there's a crowded defensive tackle room there. And I know that they want to be able to rotate these guys in and out, but I'm not so sure that he's going to get significant snaps in year one, uh, maybe maybe in year two. Um, but beyond Wilson and Young, who's that third guy? I mentioned Jacorian Bennett. Some people believe he could compete for a starting spot. I have to see that. Where are they going to play him? I think that's something we still have to kind of hash out. And, and you know, Chris Smith, do you think, uh, you know, what this linebacker, Amarty Bernie, I mean, he's got an opportunity because the, the position is so weak. 
Um, I'm just not so sure. You know, so if I'm giving this draft a grade, I'm looking at like a B minus. I mean, I like the first pick. I think Michael Mayer was an excellent pick. Another weapon for Jimmy Garoppolo. He loves to throw the tight end. He loves targeting the middle of the field. So I think that was a really good pickup and it was a, a big need. But beyond that, I think I think they missed on on some adding some impactful defensive players. I have concerns still after free agency and the draft at offensive line. They're going to run it back with the same unit who I think overachieved last year. But I think if you're depending on them to overachieve and get again this year, that could be something that could blow up in their face. They did not address the offensive line. Linebacker continues to look like one of the weakest units in the NFL. Um, and then, you know, again with the secondary, some of these guys, I just, you know, I, I saw them going cornerback in round one. They waited later into the draft to address cornerback. We'll have to see how this all shakes out. All right, guys, I'm going to step aside now and get to a break. And when I return, we're going to go out to the phone lines and we're going to welcome in our guests to talk a little bit more about the Raiders second round draft pick, Michael Mayer, coming right up here in segment number two of Just Pod Baby. We just traded with Indianapolis, we're on a clock now, and, and you're going to be a Raider. So. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Yeah. Good. Yes, sir. We're, gonna, we're fired up, and congratulations. I'm going to hand the phone to Dave Ziegler, our general manager, uh, and then you enjoy this with your family, and then we'll, we'll be in touch with you here shortly with some logistics, okay, bud? Congratulations and welcome. You got to be guy. Here's Dave. Here's Dave. Michael. How are we doing? Casper. Welcome to Raider Nation. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. We couldn't be more excited than to have you to the team. Congrats. Enjoy the moment with your family. Uh, we'll have someone in touch with you in terms of uh, some travel and things like that. But enjoy the moment, man. You earned it. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. See you. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. There you heard the call from head coach Josh McDaniels to his new tight end, Michael Mayer. You heard Dave Ziegler there on the call as well. And we're here now to talk a little bit more about that tight end, that new Raiders tight end from Notre Dame. And to do that, we're going to go right out to the phone lines now, and we're going to bring in our guest to help us learn a little bit more about Las Vegas Raiders tight end Michael Mayer from The Athletic. We are joined by Notre Dame football beat writer Pete Sampson. And Pete, we really appreciate the time. The fan base is really excited about Michael Mayer. We just heard the call that he received from the Raiders to let him know that he would be a part of their franchise going forward here. Let's get into it. I know that you covered the Irish for uh, about 21 years now. So this, you know this program as well as anyone out there. And in recent years, the Irish have done a really good job at recruiting and developing tight ends to be drafted, going back to Tyler Eifert, Kyle Rudolph, and and most recently, Cole Komet. Where, where do you think Michael Mayer fits into this recent trend of highly drafted Notre Dame tight ends? I mean, I would, I would put him at the top. You know, is he, is, in terms of the overall package, um, you know, is he the best physical specimen that they've had? I don't think so. I, I would put Rudolph and Eifert ahead of him, but just in terms of like the tenacity, the blocking ability, um, the, uh, the contested catch uh, ability to, to, to really make tough receptions. That's, that's where I think that like the production that he's had and just the durability as well has been really off the charts for him. He missed one game, I think with a groin strain at Virginia tech, his sophomore year. And I mean, 
tight end is such a car crash position. Like it is such a violent place to be and try to make your money that, you know, for him to be on the field as much as he has um, and not miss time. I, I think that's part of his, his assets that he brings to Las Vegas, you know, it, you know, maybe didn't have the, the greatest combine or pro day that, you know, like a Kyle Pitts a year ago coming out of Florida. But I just think that the tape and the durability, it's, it's just really hard to argue with uh, Michael Mayer there. I think that's interesting that you mentioned his durability because that is one of the problems that the Raiders have had with, the, with their most recent tight end, Darren Waller, who they traded away to the Giants here in, in this offseason. He just couldn't stay on the field in the last couple of years. So that's interesting that you mentioned uh, how durable he is. You know, one of the other things that is often discussed uh, in, the, in the draft scouting process is character. And I know that was a, a big point of emphasis with, with the Raiders general manager, Dave Ziegler. What can you tell us about Michael Mayer as a person both on and off the field? I mean, he's tenacious, um, a, a really kind of cutthroat competitor. Um, I think if you spend time with him, he, you may uh, like sort of take that almost as like a, an arrogance or a cockiness, but he is one at everything he's ever done in his whole life. Um, he knows that he is really good at what he does with football and it shows in the way that he plays. So, you know, in terms of like work ethic or, you know, concerns about, is this guy going to be in the building enough? There's, there'll be zero concerns about that. Um, I do think that, you know, he lives and dies football. Um, you know, in some ways I think that falling to the second round, he's, he will remember that for a long time, uh, and the Raiders may be the beneficiary of it. Yeah, I did. I actually had a chance to listen to his introductory press conference <clears throat> from last week when after he was drafted, and he he definitely sounds like the type of person that just eats, breathes, and sleeps football. So I think that's something Raider fans will really like about him. You know, I, I've been doing these interviews every year after the draft. I like to bring in someone who's covered some of these new rookies, and and every year I ask them this question: Do you have a, a story or a particular? moment that you can recall from the, the time that you covered Michael that really illustrates exactly you know who the Raiders are getting in this kid you know I would say um you know even going back to his high school days uh he played at Covington Catholic just across the river from uh Cincinnati and he actually ran into by chance Tyler Efron at Chipotle there um Eifert was with the Bengals at the time Mayor was not like a huge Zarian fan, but Catholic kid, Bengals fan, tight end. Obviously, you know who Tyler Eifert is. And just like form, like went up to him, you know, formed this connection, this friendship, because uh, he just wanted to know more about, you know, what it takes to make it. And, you know, his, his family tree uh, with an uncle who, or I'm sorry, grandfather who played basketball at LSU got a cousin who's a major league uh, baseball player. He's sort of like been around success at the pro level uh, at a young age. I also, I think that really helps you because you're not going to get wide eyed once you get to the league. So I just think like his family background, how much he's spent around pro at times spent around pro athletes um, in, in different situations. Like I don't, I don't think he comes into the NFL wide-eyed or happy to be there or any of that stuff. Um, and I, I, I think that will that will serve him really well at the next level. Our guest this week on Just Pod Baby is Pete Sampson, who covers Notre Dame football for the Athletic. Pete's doing a great job here, helping us to get to know the new Raiders tight end Michael Mayer. 
you know, Michael has the nickname Baby Gronk. I'm sure you're aware of that, which I think is is yeah. part of what attracted the Raiders and, and Josh McDaniels uh, to, to make him the selection in round two, trading up to get him. But what are some of the qualities and, and some of the traits that you, that you have seen in, in, in Mayer over the years that, that you think will make him a successful NFL tight end? Well, it's, it's funny. I wrote a story about this as he was breaking all the records at Notre Dame. And I talked to Tyler Eckert about the whole baby Gronk nickname. And he's like, Eifert's point of view was like, actually, if you watch Gronk run routes, like kind of a lazy route runner, like he's not really detailed um, on, in that part of the game. And, and Mayer really is. Uh, so I think that just like the love of football, like he's a, he's a football guy that will that's going to serve him really well at the next level. Um, you know, and it's kind of hard to like put that in perspective, but like I, you know, when I did that story, I talked to Anthony Fasano played for the dolphins uh, and Titans for about 10 years. Talked to Cole Komet, who's with the bears played a little bit with mayor at Notre Dame. And then also talked to uh, Tyler Eifert and like, they, they were all just like, Nope, this guy, this guy has stuff that we didn't have coming out. Uh, and those were successful pros. And so it's like, when, if you get the endorsement of guys who have gone to Notre Dame, played the position, and are doing it at the next level, that, that carries some weight to me. What, what about his his ability as a blocker? Because, I mean, I know he's, you know, going into the draft, he was touted as one of the more complete tight ends in this year's draft class, which was a very deep uh, class this year at the position. But But overall, as a blocker, you know, both in the run game and the pass game, how, how does he hold up? I think it's fine. Um, I wouldn't say that's like his greatest strength, but I wouldn't call it a weakness either. I think that's, that's probably where he has the most room for growth moving forward. Like, I don't think he's going to be a lot faster, a lot stronger. I don't think his ball skills are going to get a whole lot better. He's a really good route runner as well. But in terms of, uh, you know, blocking, I, I do think that's where he, he can be better. He can be, I think, more technically sound, um, you know, but he's not – trying to think of like a Notre Dame tight end who just like blew you off the ball as a blocker. Cause like, you know, that's not what is sexy at the, the next level, but I, you know, maybe Tommy Tremble, who's a third round pick of the Panthers is probably the last Notre Dame guy who just made, it was just like a butt kicking blocker and the pass game came second. Um, Mayor, I think could, could still improve a lot as a blocker, but I, but I wouldn't call it like a weakness of his game yet either. You know, one of the areas where this Raiders offense really needs to improve is in the red zone. Um, what can you tell us about, I know we talked about the route running, uh, soft hands for a big guy. What can you tell us about Mayer during his time at uh, Notre Dame as far as being a threat in the red zone? Is that something that uh, can tr- that he can do at the next level, you believe? Oh, yeah. And I, I think, you know, one thing that helps there is Notre Dame was not blessed with receiving talent. So it's not like opponents didn't know where the ball was going. It was going to mayor all the time. So Notre Dame had to get creative and moving him around formations, dragging him across uh, route concepts, uh, you know, a great red zone threat. Sometimes they'll stick him out wide. It's like a boundary receiver. Um, He's got that in his game too. So it's like, I, I think the red zone part is, should be a real asset for him at the next level because that it was definitely an asset for him at Notre Dame. Yeah, and I and I would think playing alongside of guys like Devontae Adams, 
Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Meyer. That should yeah. open up things. <laughs> there's Total pl- different game. Yeah, there's plenty Michael of mouths there now. to feed. Also, they had the NFL's uh, rushing champ last year in Josh Jacobs. So he he should he shouldn't receive all the attention that he got at Notre Dame. So uh, just just one last thing here before I get you out of here. We talked about all the things that he does well. We talked about maybe an area of his game where he needs to improve with the blocking. Is there there is there like an underrated part of his game that maybe kind of flies under the radar that really doesn't get talked about enough? Um, you know, I think that leadership is, you know, how much that translates to the league, I don't know. But he was not afraid to speak up. Um, he was not afraid. Not, I don't want to say confront Marcus Freeman, but if he had something that he felt needed to be aired, he was not afraid to go to the head coach and air it. Um, so I think that helps because, you know, I don't think you can ever have too many of those guys. He He can follow. And when he came in his freshman year, that was a team with Brock Wright, who was with the Lions, Tommy Tremble. Um, you know, Cole Komet had just left, I believe. So, you know, he's he knows how to climb a depth, a depth chart quickly over other NFL guys. And then he's not afraid to speak his mind when he feels like he's got some conviction behind it. So I think that that is, I wouldn't say it's like an underrated part of his game, but it's probably not something that we talk a whole lot about. Absolutely. Well, well done there, Pete. Uh, you know, one thing we know is Josh McDaniels, he has proven that he loves to utilize tight ends in his offense. Michael Mayer was a player that they targeted in this draft. They traded up to get him in this draft. So I expect him to have every opportunity to be successful with the Raiders. Pete, we thank you for the time and we thank you for your insight. You did a great job there giving us some, some insight onto Michael Mayer and we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Okay. Pete Sampson, everyone. From the athletic, good stuff there. I don't. I don't think you have to worry about Michael Mayer too much. I, I really don't. I think it's a pick you make and you sleep like a baby. That's the way I see it. As I said, he seems like a real football junkie, no nonsense kind of guy. Just show up, put your head down, go to work, and, and I do expect him to have an impact on that offense in the red zone. At least I'm hoping he will, anyways. And I and I don't think, or I and I do think I should say that when you got guys like Adams and Myers and Renfro. Um, he, he's going to see some, some, um, some matchups that, that, that should be favorable to him and he should be able to take advantage of. So I'm looking forward to see how this offense can operate with, with him. All right, guys, another show in the books. Everyone enjoy your weekend. I will be back with you again next week. We're going to be breaking down the Raiders 2023 schedule. Hopefully I get that game in Buffalo that I'm hoping for. And until then, everyone, I am Evan Grote. Follow me on Twitter at egrote5. Subscribe to the podcast. Take care, and as always, just win, baby.